Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Dan Habercost. He is a real estate investor in the Colorado area, uh, has done quite an amazing job in the real estate area, uh, and his company is called Front Range Land. Welcome to the, the Money Answer Show, Dan. Jordan, thank you for having me. Looking forward to uh, talking through uh, the business. Just briefly, we're going to get into it in more detail, but just briefly kind of tell us the story of how you started and, and got to where you are today. Sure. So, you know, that really goes back uh, to when I was pretty young. I just have these vivid memories of everything regarding money was fearful, worry, not enough, uh, a lot of anxiety and tension I saw with my parents as a kid and my older siblings and cousins. Nope. Nobody ever had money. I grew up in a rural town in Ohio, uh, and that was kind of the norm. And uh, so I started working pretty young. By the time I was 16, I was managing a portfolio of rentals while also managing a farm while my boss would travel the world, actually. And uh, I did that throughout high school. And then in college, I was going to school full time and then working full time, running a landscaping company uh, to pay for school. And well, number one, that gave me a lot of experience at an early age, but Number two, it, it was frustrating because all I was doing, even in high school and college, was working, and I didn't want to follow the same path that everyone else in my family had. So started reading different books, came across, actually, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, just like so many others before me, and uh, bought a duplex two months after that when I was 21, when I was still in college. Uh, moved to Colorado from Ohio, wanted to... Uh, play around in the Rocky Mountains and come out here and build a business. And so bought another rental when I moved that same year in 2018. And shortly thereafter, I realized if I wanted to build a portfolio of rentals, I needed to figure out how to make a substantial income, right? This is a cash intensive venture. It doesn't have to be you, but somebody needs cash available when the sewer line needs repaired or roof needs fixed or uh, a tenant bleeds you for a few months, these things happen. Uh, so that was the impetus to start the active business, which is now Front Range Land. And that's a fairly long conversation as to how I got into that. But Front Range Land involves buying and selling lots, uh, buildable infill lots, some for cash, some for notes. And then I myself build on, I uh, try and shoot for two or three at a time of the prime lots that I get uh, via marketing. So that's where I'm at today. Very good. So let's just talk about real estate as an investment. The stock market's kind of volatile moment to moment, but what are the advantages uh -huh. of uh, putting your money into real estate instead of stocks? Yeah, that's a great question, and I don't even think of these two things as being comparable. They're completely different in that real estate is a flexible asset. So, for example, uh, one of the ways that I've made a lot of money in this crazy market we've seen for years, and it's only been exacerbated here in Colorado Springs, as it's one of those places a lot of people are moving, is doing room-by-room -room rentals. I, I just did a talk on this at my uh, the real estate club I host here in town, but you can take a house where the traditional way that people would operate it is you, know, you buy it and put a tenant in it and rent it out. And that's great, but the numbers aren't so great going that route here. Rents have come up, but not enough to really justify doing that. However, with a bit of thought and creativity, you can occupy a house and rent out all the rooms, and a house can cash flow while you live in it. Uh, you know, gosh, one of the houses I have here that uh, I rent that way that I don't live in, 
makes me about 1200 bucks a month um, renting out that way, and it's fairly passive. So I, that's one of my favorite parts about real estate, just the way that, you know, whether it's through some sort of value add or how you operate it or how you finance it, it's more a flexible and creative asset that you can create a return out of uh, with a bit of thought and effort. Whereas, you know, with equities, it's, it's far more passive, sure, but you don't have that kind of control, uh, whereas you do in real estate. So the real estate market's super hot today because uh, so many people wanting to buy homes and there's not enough available. And the same in the rental market. How do you avoid mm-hmm. getting sucked in and, and not paying too much so that it's not going to cash flow because you paid too much for the property? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Uh, so, I, gosh, I wish I could talk, walk you through the, the talk I did last week because one of the first things I said or points I wanted to make, make was there's always some aspect of investing or business that's going to be difficult regardless of the market. So if it was 2008, sure, there would be cheap houses everywhere that cash flow very easily. However, there would be everyone and your brother and friends and family telling you that real estate is doomed. It would be very difficult to get uh, uh, capital. And you wouldn't have the type of, of uh, demand for rental units that you do today. So there was challenges then and there's challenges now. So right now, on the flip side of that, it's the easiest time ever to get money at obscenely low rates. Everyone has cash, whether it be private money or your lenders. And then on top of that, uh, because there's such a demand for housing, vacancy is next to nothing. Uh, so because of that, that cuts down on one of the biggest expenses that most people deal with. I mean, it's underappreciated, but how you operate the property is equally as important as how good of a deal you got. Um, So with that in mind, okay, looking at the market, it's very easy to get low interest rate loans, right? And uh, uh, it's very easy to keep your rooms or rentals occupied by great tenants. So that's a huge advantage of the current environment. And the way I have, you know, I bought two more rentals this year. One of them I purchased uh, with an owner-occupied loan. I built out a bathroom in the basement and rented out all the units, uh, or excuse me, rooms, and it cash flows while I live in it. So I made that work for a couple reasons. Uh, number one, uh, added value by putting in the new bathroom downstairs. Number two, I operated it in a non-traditional manner. And then number three, the sellers had motivation. They had already identified the other house that they're going to go buy and close on. And so I was able to actually buy that on market. I think it appraised for thirteen or 14000 more than I bought it for, and they covered all my closing costs. And uh, with the way it's cash flowing, I'll have all my money out of it here in a very short time. Plus, of course, it saves me a lot of money in taxes. Uh, to give another example, just bought another rental where the rehab's finishing up, and this illustrates, kind of goes back to what I was saying about money being everywhere. He's an older investor who has a whole portfolio of properties and he doesn't want to deal with them anymore. He's got a lot of cash in the bank. So he was looking for someone to own or finance his properties to, starting with this one. He had motivation. Uh, the house, the tenants had just moved out. They'd been there a long time. There were all sorts of issues with it. He just wanted to go to Arizona with his wife and not think about it. So I bought that one at 250 put 21 into it and it's worth 340. And then because of the fact that money is everywhere and interest rates are so low, he financed it 100% of the purchase price at 3% to 
two years interest only going into a 15 year permanent mortgage. So for the first two years, it's going to cash flow 12 or 1300 bucks a month. Plus I got a pretty substantial margin in the uh, price versus the uh, ARV. And of course it's going to lower my taxes and will appreciate slowly over time and the rest will go up and so on and so forth. So I know that was a very long answer to your question, but I think the best way to drive home points is, is by telling stories that illustrate them. And both of those situations, I had sellers that were motivated, completely different motivations, but they were both motivated. Uh, in both of those situations, I used the fact that money is, is very cheap right now. One with an owner-occupied loan at, I think it was 3.25, and one via seller financing at 3%. And in both situations, I added value to the property, both through rehab and how I operated it. So uh, those are probably the three points I'd want to drive home in response to your question in that you need seller motivation. You need to look at the market and and take advantage of the positives of the current market. And you need to find a way to add value. And if you do that, you can buy real estate that cash flows and is under market value uh, even today. How do you find seller-motivated uh, sellers. I mean, that seems like a key p- portion of the success strategy is to get a seller that's motivated. Are, are you doing through multiple listing services or this is off the market? How do you find motivated sellers? Yeah, that's a great question. That's kind of the key to everything right now. Uh, so the first one I bought on the market, and that was just a matter of making a lot of calls on a lot of listings, looking at a lot of properties. And finding the one, in, again, in that case where the sellers had uh, already identified another house they wanted to buy, so they were in a hurry and just wanted a solid offer. Um, and then in the case of the second one, uh, that actually was on Craigslist. Now, that's not necessarily uh, typical, but uh, if you look at that platform day after day for years on end, you're going to find some opportunities. Um, and in general, you know, in my land business, I'm buying lots at 30 to 40 cents on the dollar over and over and over again. I've done 60 plus, and I do that um, uh, all via cold calling and direct mail. And so to apply that to houses, it's the, it's the same thing. You know, I have friends that wholesale houses, uh, and all of their deals come from the same, same mediums, right? Mailers and cold calling. So um, it's just talking to enough people really to find the people that have motivation. And it, it doesn't always have to be that someone's desperate. So in the case of the owner-financed house, <laughs> he has millions of dollars sitting in the bank plus a whole portfolio of paid-off rentals. So for him, as an older man, he has way more money than he needs, and he's in the last stage of his life, so he wants to preserve his time. So motivation does not have to be, oh, they're broke and they're about to lose the house. It could be they have more money than they need. And many of the parcels of land I've bought at a discount have been uh, uh, more just an older, wealthy couple. I mean, most of the time, that's, that, that's what it is. So, again, um, your avatar as far as who your motivated seller is does not have to be someone who's desperate. Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Dan Haberkost. Uh, he uh, builds and uh, does land development and real estate in the uh, Colorado area, has a lot of experience in the area. You can find out more about him at his website, which is danhabercost.com. We'll be back after this. Christmas, tis the season to deck the halls and exchange presents with loved ones. But over the past 10 years, a new tradition has emerged, binge-watching, low-budget, made-for-TV holiday movies. And the battle to have the highest-rated Christmas movies 
gets more intense every year. The newest season of Business Wars podcast from Wondery dives into the competition between Hallmark, Lifetime, and Netflix. While their films may be full of goodwill and cheer, the war for ratings is downright hostile. Listen to Business Wars, Christmas Movie Wars on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Christmas, tis the season to deck the halls and exchange presents with loved ones. But over the past 10 years, a new tradition has emerged, binge-watching, low-budget, made-for-TV holiday movies. And the battle to have the highest-rated Christmas movies gets more intense every year. The newest season of Business Wars podcast from Wondery dives into the competition between Hallmark, Lifetime, and Netflix. While their films may be full of goodwill and cheer, the war for ratings is downright hostile. Listen to Business Wars, Christmas Movie Wars on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Dan Haberkost. He is a real estate investor in Colorado with lots of experience in successful real estate investing. You can find out more at his website, danhaberkost.com. Welcome back to the show, Dan. Thanks, Jordan. So house hacking is something that you do. Tell us what house hacking Mm -hmm. is and how that works. Absolutely. So house hacking takes advantage of uh, the loan programs that are applicable to owner-occupied buyers, and then it operates real estate in a non-traditional way to create cash flow where others might not be able to. So what it is, is you get qualified for an owner-occupied loan, which would apply only to residential properties. So that would mean one to four units. So it could just be a house or it could be up to a fourplex. You buy it using that mortgage, which 
requires 3.5 to 5% down, depending on whether you go FHA or conventional. So much, much lower down payment than traditional uh, investment loans. In addition, you get a lower interest rates relative to investment loans. And then you occupy the house or one of the units, if it's a two, three, or four unit, and you rent out the others. So I've done this with houses where I buy these big split levels. And in fact, the one I'm in right now is a tri-level And it allows you to create, again, I said this, but I'll say it again, it creates cash flow where you wouldn't have been able to otherwise. Uh, So not only that, but it covers your living expense. And I think of it as training wheels for investing, because if you're occupying the property or if it's a duplex and your only tenant is next door, it's a lot harder for them to get away with anything. But this is an excellent way to get started because Let's say you're working a a traditional job, you don't have a ton of money saved up, and you want to start investing. Well, if you only need 3.5% down, and you're able to, let's just say, cover your mortgage with the rents from the uh, tenants, well, that saves you a lot of money every month and allows you to save much faster and work towards buying rental number two. So that's house hacking in a nutshell, and it's just an excellent way to get started uh, and make real estate cash flow. Very good. And then infill development is another strategy you use. Explain how that works. Yeah, absolutely. So just to kind of give you the overarching kind of macro view of how I think about this house hacking and my rentals would be on one side in the passive side. And then my active business front range land is where I'm building houses. So uh, again, you have to know your market and here in Colorado, it's growing quite a bit. And so there's, an exacerbated uh, housing shortage. And just south of me, I'm in Colorado Springs, just south of me, there's a market where, for to give you kind of step back and give you the overarching view, for many, many years, people would live in Colorado Springs and commute to Denver, north of it, because, hey, Denver's expensive. Well, in the last 10 years or five years, really, as Colorado's grown, Colorado Springs has gotten to the point where a lot of people who work here can no longer afford to live here. So the progress has just continued straight down the front range, straight down the main highway here to the next market. And that is where I'm currently building. People are moving there in droves. It tends to be retiring baby boomers and or millennial first-time home buyers. Those are the two most frequent uh, kind of uh, uh, demographics. And the beauty of it is the market had been ignored by Coloradans for whatever reason, but a year ago, I could still buy a piece of land that's 45 minutes from Colorado Springs, all utilities, flat, you know, a very easy build for seven to $10,000. Now, you come up here to Colorado Springs and huh, they're 10, 20 times that much. And again, this is commutable to the Springs and it's not a bad area. They have a big reservoir down there, averages 55 and sunny in the winter. So, that was a huge opportunity to build because my land costs are next to nothing. So there's a very healthy margin. And uh, yeah, I set up the marketing system to get these lots at, you know, 30, 40 cents on the dollar, sell some of them and build on some of them. And it's been a great business model given the current market. If people don't want to be doing what you're doing, buying land, building houses, are there ways to invest in it? to provide the money and profit from this to have somebody else actually do it for them? Yes. So I have people that uh, uh, invest with me 
And I know there are larger funds and groups and, and, and ways that you can put your money into new development as well. Uh, but even just knowing someone locally that's doing it, you know, I, I have people that I have unsecured lines of credit with, but, you know, someone wanted to, to put up the funds to, to build a house and we could sit down and come together in agreement as to how they'd be compensated. But yeah, absolutely you can, because, you know, I had a, a very good friend of mine who's much older. He's been doing this for about 50 years. Tell me you're always going to run out of money at some point. Uh, so yeah, having investors is important and there's plenty of people doing what I'm doing that, uh, would be happy to, to take and multiply your money. And what kind of returns can investors investing in these kind of projects earn? Yeah. So my, uh, I, I, I didn't know we were going to get this granular, but my, uh, investors, I have a number that just gave me chunks of money at 6% or excuse me, 7%. Uh, as far as doing specific projects. Gosh, I, I've always just gotten hard money loans or loans through my, my local bank here on the new build. Uh, so I guess we'd have to sit down and, and, and discuss that. But uh, those would probably be more in the range of 10 or 12% if you're just going to put up the money uh, for the house to be built. Okay. Now, you've had a mentor uh, help you. What are some of the lessons you've learned from your mentor? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he uh, he's taught me a lot. And I, I think... Persistence is probably one of the biggest things just with everything I do being relentless. Uh, you know, just to illustrate an example, I don't do this anymore. I have acquisitions managers, but we just got two lots under contract this week. Uh, I think at 14 and 16, they're both worth between 35 and 40. And the seller called us for the first time in August and we're just getting them under contract now because she was relentless in the follow-up because they expressed interest. So uh, and that's applicable across the board, just being persistent. And I, I saw that through everything uh, he's done and taught me. Uh, and then beyond that, I think the other thing I've learned from him is it's not necessarily that one asset or one strategy is the best. It's more a matter of assessing the market, looking at the conditions, kind of like how I walk you through the positives of today's market, and then picking a strategy that uh, uh, fits the given market. So if it was 2008, it would probably make a lot more sense to go and buy non-performing notes and buy houses eventually when you foreclose on them at 10 cents on the dollar that way. Whereas today, room-by-room room rentals and new development work very, very well. So that's probably the other thing that has really stuck with me working with him. It's not or don't get attached to a specific strategy or asset. More analyze the market, look at the big driving forces and demographics, and pick a strategy that's appropriate given those conditions. Let's talk about room-by-room room, uh, investing. So this is long-term where you have kind of congregate living. A lot of people do it. Or, yep. or how about renting out rooms, Airbnb, kind of short-term rentals that way. Is that something that uh, you think makes sense for investors? I have not done Airbnb. However, I know quite a people making a quite a few people making a killing doing that. I can't give you advice or input or experience on it, but I know it works because I watch a number of my friends do it. However, uh, all my room by room rentals are just standard long term rentals. Uh, it's just a room as opposed to a whole unit. So that I can I can talk through. So that's where you you get more income than just sending uh, renting out the entire uh, house to to one uh, party. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely, exactly. So, what are the downsides of that? I mean, you have multiple people with 
they have to get along? I mean, what, what are the, the downsides and the upsides of, of doing renting it by the room? The biggest downside is you just have more tenants in total, right? There's more of a chance of something going wrong and more technically more turnover, more, more rooms to, to fill. But, you know, having done this for a number of years, I have to say, Jordan, if you do it right, it, many of the worries that people have don't have to become reality. So it, it starts with the fundamentals, right? Buying a good deal, buying a solid house in an area that people want to live in that can attract good tenants, and then screening your tenants properly. I, again, I, I alluded to this earlier in the show, but people talk too little about the importance of how you operate your rentals. It's fun to talk about getting good deals and buying things at a discount, but if you don't have them managed properly, that good deal can go south very quickly. So if you start by buying nice houses that you keep up in good areas, it's easier to attract good tenants. And then being stringent in your screening. So maybe you have a property manager. If that's the case, make sure you interview them, get people that come highly referred. Uh, that's step number two. Call their last two landlords. Call their boss. Background check. Credit check. And then even the little things. Do they show up to look at the place when they said they will? Do they have the application back when they said they will? If you do all those things and they have a strong credit score and good reviews from their landlords and boss, it's pretty hard to go wrong. And then specifically in the room-by-room rentals, it's extremely important to set expectations. So like in this house here uh, that I'm living in, I tell everyone, hey, it's quiet, it's clean, people aren't home really much at all, and I intend to keep it that way. So if you use the kitchen needs to be cleaned immediately after. Keep your bathroom clean. No noise at night, right? And setting those standards also tends to attract the people you want because people who aren't going to do those things tend to be turned off by that, whereas, you know, reliable, quiet tenants tend to get uh, uh, more interested when you say those things. So I I think, yeah, screening your tenants, having an asset that people want to live in and, and setting expectations are the things that have allowed my room-by-room rentals to work out very well. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Dan Haberkost. He's a real estate investor uh, in the Colorado area, but has a lot of lessons to teach all of us about investing in real estate. You can find out more at his website, danhaberkost.com, spelled H-A-B-E-R-K-O-S-T.com. We'll be back after this. All around the world, tech companies are innovating and driving returns for investors. Our crowd analyzes companies across global markets, selecting those with the greatest growth potential, then bringing them to you. From personalized medicine to cybersecurity to robotics, quantum computing, and much more. In state-of-the-art labs, startup garages, and anywhere in between, our crowd is identifying innovators so you can invest where growth potential is the greatest, which is early. Our crowd is the fastest growing venture capital investment community. Our crowd's accredited investors have already invested over $1 billion in growing tech companies. 21 of the portfolio companies are unicorns, and many of our crowd's members have benefited from over 40 IPOs or sale exits of portfolio companies. Now you can invest in Bluetree, who could revolutionize the billion-dollar-plus total addressable food tech market. Bluetree has developed a process to significantly reduce the sugar in any natural liquid, lowering healthcare risks while retaining great taste. 
Blue Tree has already signed a five-year, 100 million liter contract with an industry leader. Invest today at our crowd. Invest in OURCROW.com slash answers in Blue Tree. You can join our crowd for free at OURCROW.com slash answers. Join the fastest growing venture capital investment community at OurCrowd.com slash answers. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Dan Habercost. He's a real estate investor in the Colorado area, but he has a lot of lessons to teach us about how to invest in real estate. His website, danhabercost.com. Com. Welcome back to the show, Dan. Thanks, Jordan. So let's talk about negotiating. Uh, mm-hmm. if you're usually a buyer. I guess sometimes you're a seller. What are some tips on negotiating good deals in real estate? So I once had someone tell me that you'll never make more money per minute than when you're negotiating, and that really stuck with me. So this is a fun topic to talk about. And one of my favorite methods is anchoring, right? Setting, starting very low. So let me just give an example to describe this. Let's say you're asking $100,000 for a piece of land and you get an offer at 40. And then someone else comes and offers you 60. Well, that 60 sounds far more reasonable after getting the offer at 40 than it does if you hadn't got that offer and someone came in at 60 right off the bat. So that's anchoring. And when I'm going for land, which is, again, the thing that I buy and sell the most of, I send out land offer letters. And so very simply, Jordan, it's a letter that says I want to buy the property and says the price I'll pay right on it. And those start at about 30 cents on the dollar. And anchoring that way, number one, only gets motivated sellers. And number two, just starts the conversation at a very low anchor and leads to a lot of deals. Now, let's say you're negotiating a house. 
and you're talking to the seller directly. Well, you have to be careful, right? You don't want to offend people. And so at the end of the day, this only works if there is some sort of motivation on their end. Uh, so I always use a takeaway. If I'm actually negotiating with someone directly and maybe, you know, we're to the point where, they're, well, what's your offer? I can, oh, gosh, Jordan, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't even think with everything I'm going to have to put into this and, you know, the market, I just, I just don't think I can make you an offer that you'll be okay with. And if they just say, oh, okay, and move on, well, you know they weren't motivated. Whereas if they go, no, 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 what is it? I'm like, Jordan, you know, I don't want to offend you. And that is kind of the key question and approaching it that way has really helped me make lower offers without causing conflicts because at that point, again, you're either going to say, oh, okay, I'm not interested, or no, no, it's okay, Dan, what, what are you offering? And then I could say, well, Jordan, I'm offering X. And they just gave me permission to make that offer. So the takeaway where you act as if you're not necessarily interested has been a very powerful technique in my mind, uh, in my experience too. So when you're competing against other people wanting to buy the same property, and it may not be other real estate investors individually, it could be institutions. I mean, real estate investment trusts and yeah. a lot of Wall Street firms are buying entire neighborhoods these days and renting them out. Yeah. How do you negotiate in a situation where there's competition uh, for those properties? Well, I think that goes back to your marketing and your approach in that I don't want to be competing with those people necessarily. You, you, you need to be finding the sellers that have some sort of motivation. So, for example, I just pulled a tax lien list of properties that have tax liens on them, and I'm marketing to that. Those people certainly have motivation. Or a lot of times, you know, I'm, I'm sending out some, some mailers to try and buy some rental properties. Uh, in that case, out-of-state owners, 10-plus years owned. Um, so I think it's not necessarily that, you know, if someone has an asset and they have no motivation, well, they're not going to they're not going to sell below market. They have no reason to. So it really is being in, in or having the conversations with the right people. And that goes back to your marketing and your approach where if you are negotiating, whether it's a house or a land or apartment, any asset, there's got to be motivation on the seller's side. And that's really the key. Yeah. Um, now, when you're doing this, you do set specific goals of how many properties you want to buy during the year, or how many land parcels you want to flip? Do you have specific goals at the beginning of the year of what you're trying to attain? Yep, absolutely. So uh, I, it's funny you asked this. I, I was just working on finishing this up for 2022 this morning. Uh, because I've been doing this for a while, I have a pretty solid handle on my numbers as far as it takes X amount of mailers to get X amount of deals, which yields X amount of profit. And so I worked backwards from the income goal I'm trying to hit next year and set a corresponding amount of marketing or a marketing budget for each month. Uh, and I'll execute that exactly, sending out a certain amount of mailers every month to uh, the different markets I'm in. So, yes, absolutely. So what could go wrong with this market? If interest rates went up a lot, if the economy took a big downturn, if the coronavirus comes back strongly, what could go wrong with this whole uh, strategy of rental real estate you're in? On the rental side, yes, yes. That's, uh, okay, I thought we were going to talk, talk through that on land, so I was prepared to answer that. On rentals, you know, I buy properties in areas that are desirable, in a market where people are moving, and I control my personal finances 
and I'm very conservative in my personal finances. So, you know, you or I, we can't do anything or affect the Fed or affect, you know, the next pandemic that'll hit. These things are going to happen regardless. So the best way to hedge against these things, in my mind, is control what you can control. So I only buy properties that cash flow. I keep a healthy amount of reserves. I keep my personal finances in check where I'm not spending any or close to what I'm making. And all of these buffers create opportunity. They hedge against these things. So if all of my rentals have equity in them because I've purchased them below market and plus I've paid them down over the years, that creates a hedge. If all my rentals cash flow substantially, that creates a hedge. If I have, you know, a year of mortgage payments for all my properties in the bank, that also creates a hedge. Uh, so in my mind, it just comes down to buying right, buying properties that cash flow and controlling your personal finance, finances. So we had a big uh, surprise for uh, landlords in the last two years, which was the moratorium on eviction. And the same thing with mm-hmm. individual homes as far as the moratorium and foreclosure. Uh, did that affect you? And how should landlords look at that as a new possibility now that COVID seems to be coming back? Well, I think that uh, re-emphasizes what I was hitting on before, the importance of screening your tenants properly. I had, I have a duplex still in Ohio, that one I told you, the first one I ever bought, and that's uh, managed by a management company. I actually had to fire them and get a new one. I My fault. I didn't screen them properly, so it's entirely on me. So I did have one tenant lead me in 2020, but at the end of the day, it didn't matter because, as I was just saying, I have cash reserves, so I was fine. Finally got him out, turned over the property manager. I have a great manager now. And and, and so, yes, I I, I think about this a lot because this is a common complaint. You know, here in Colorado, the laws have certainly gotten far and far more tenant-friendly. But at the end of the day, you can go to California, for example, where they're, <laughs> it's incredible how uh, easy it is to be taken advantage of as a landlord. And there are still people successfully buying rental real estate and making money. It's just a matter of operating it efficiently, effectively, and screening your tenants correctly. So if you have well-kept properties, they can attract good tenants. And then you, as long as your screening process is in place, you'll be fine. You know, if you have hundreds of units, there's always going to be some people that slip through the cracks. But at the end of the day, if you have hundreds of units, that also doesn't have to matter. It's just a, you know, percentage you budget for. So it just comes back to controlling what you can control. And that's who you allow in your property because it's much harder to get them out once that lease is signed and they're there. So, but for a lot of people, maybe in your case, it was fine, but for a lot of landlords around the country, millions uh, you know, they thought their tenants were solid. And then when COVID came along, uh, they ran into financial issues and they couldn't throw them out and their cash flow kind of disappeared. What would you recommend for landlords like that? Well, that's very general. And I would imagine that if you talked through it with those people, a lot of them potentially have lower end properties or didn't screen their tenants very well. But at the end of the day, I, I would draw the analogy to that did happen to me again, my fault because I didn't screen my manager properly and I had reserves. So I was able to weather the storm and we're out of it. And that property's cash flowing again. And it's just part of, part of the budget. Right. So again, without 
getting a little more granular. It's hard to necessarily answer for every situation, every person, but if you have nice properties, screen your tenants well and keep your personal finances in check, uh, you're going to most likely be okay in the long run. What is the, the correct mindset for somebody to do what you're doing, to be uh, a, a landlord, to be rental, to be flipping land? What is the correct mindset? Because a lot of people are taught to be employees and not to be kind of entrepreneurs. I mean, you started working for somebody else and now you're doing it for yourself. Talk, talk about the mindset needed to make this successful. This is something I think about a lot because as I mentioned earlier, there, or I came from a very conservative background. Everyone was an employee, tons of fear about anything money related. Uh, you know, the world's always ending, so to speak. So it's taken a lot of time to get out of that thinking. And this is cliche, but the biggest thing that you need to establish first is why are you doing this? If you have a very clear reason, very clear motivation, you can get over the hurdles involved in starting your own business. So it's got to start with that. It can't just be you heard someone on a podcast and you thought it was cool. You need to have a reason for starting a business that is personal and important to you. So that's the starting point, in my opinion. From there, I would go back to what I said I I learned from, from Rich, the guy who has been a mentor in that persistence is key and you need to have that expectation set up in your head from day one. And if you talk to business owners who of any kind who have been in business for any period of time, they, they should tell you this, but getting started is the hardest part. You know, I think of an exponential chart when I think of starting a business where it's very, very, very slow for the first couple of years or maybe first five years, depending on what, what sort of industry you're in. But once you get going and established, it tends to be like an exponential curve where you just, you explode and you start to grow much, much quicker. It's like a hockey stick. Uh, so setting that expectation that this is going to be difficult, there's going to be constant problems I have to solve, and it's going to take time to get started. But once I get started or get established, it gets easier. I like to joke that starting a business is working for $0 an hour or close to it, so that one day you can work for thousands or tens of thousands or you know, a tech company could be millions of dollars an hour. Uh, so clear expectations going into it that it's not going to be easy. You're going to get kicked in the teeth quite a bit, but after, or if you persevere, it will pay off in the long term. So that also goes back to the why it's easier to get through these challenges that come up uh, if you have a strong why. So I think those are probably uh, some of the most important things I could, I could say. Um, You got to have a reason. You got to have a reason because you're, going to have problems. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Dan Habercost. He's a real estate investor in the Colorado area. You can find out more at his website, danhabercost.com. We'll be back after this. Whether you are a crypto pro or a total beginner, you can finally earn Bitcoin the easy way. With the world's first Bitcoin rewards credit card from BlockFi, you can earn unlimited Bitcoin on every qualifying purchase you make. Introducing the BlockFi Rewards Visa Signature Card. It's the easiest way to get Bitcoin by just paying everyday purchases. Grow your Bitcoin portfolio when you buy your groceries, pay your bills, fill up at a gas station, or have a meal at a restaurant. You can earn 1.5% back in Bitcoin on all qualifying purchases with no reward limits. 
Plus, there's no annual fee and no foreign transaction fees. Just Bitcoin earned on every single qualifying purchase. Now's the time to start or ramp up your Bitcoin portfolio. Bitcoin saw a 230% annualized return in 2020, and it's been strong for most of the year so far. In fact, Bitcoin has been the best performing asset of the last decade, outperforming the NASDAQ 100 by 10 times. BlockFi is a leader in crypto and was named to Forbes' FinTech 50 list in 2021. Plus, BlockFi is the easiest way to buy, sell, and earn crypto. There's no better time to sign up and start earning Bitcoin today. Right now, listeners to The Money Answer Show can earn a bonus of $25 in crypto after you make your first purchase with a credit card when you sign up at BlockFi.com money. That's a $25 bonus in crypto deposited right into your account after you make your first purchase. But you have to use my URL, which is BlockFi.com money. Start earning Bitcoin back on all your purchases today. Go to BlockFi.com money. Not all will be eligible. Geographic, regulatory, and underwriting restrictions apply. Fees and terms are subject to change. Additional terms of service at BlockFi.com. BlockFi is a financial technology company. Banking services provided by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth in Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth in Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Dan Haberkost, real estate investor and entrepreneur in Colorado area. His website, danhaberkost.com, spelled H A B E R. KOST.com. Welcome back to the show, Dan. Thanks, Jordan. I'm having fun. Appreciate you having me. Great. So you say it's gone pretty well, but there have been some bumps along the road here. Uh, Tell us about the the case where you had a house that was trashed that didn't work out so well and how you overcame that. 
Sure. I, I have a recent example here that I can I can uh, uh, share. So in this most recent rehab, the one I was talking about with seller financing, we're about halfway through the project, and it's, it's a big project. We're replacing every, every inch of the plumbing to the street, lowering the main beam four inches, complete cosmetic rehab, new panel. And so we're about halfway through, and it's the day that my contractor is replacing the water and sewer line. And I get a call from his assistant, and he sounds so worried. Something's clearly wrong. He goes, he, I won't say his name, but he got arrested. He's gone. He's just gone. So here we are. It's a small residential neighborhood, you know, quarter acre lots. The entire front yard is excavated, dirt spilling into the street, into the neighbor, everywhere. You know, a, a excavator sitting there on the clock being rented, and the contractor is just gone. Water and sewer line half replaced. <laughs> so that was not a fun day, but... You know, I'll tell you, Jordan, as with anything, anything, I, you know, I, I think my first big experience with this was running that landscaping company in college because things would just go wrong all the time. You can't react, and that's very hard to do at first, but over time, you get so used to it that I hardly reacted, and I, I calmly thought, okay, well, what's the best course of action? Well, I need to get this hole covered up and the sewer and water line replaced, so immediately started calling around to all my friends to find someone to... Uh, because most of my friends are in the real estate world, to find a good referral to come fix that. And after about 15 phone calls, I did find someone that could come out the next day, got him out, got him to fix the sewer and water line, cover it up so that liability's gone. I mean, it's a residential neighborhood. There's kids all over. They could end up playing in it and getting hurt or could draw the attention of the city. You know, there's lots of potential problems that could have come from that. And uh, so got it filled, uh, water and sewer line replaced, so the immediate impending uh, liability was gone. And then from there, uh, figured out what was going on with the contractor. He ended up ended up getting him out uh, shortly thereafter. But you know, the, these types of things pop up all the time. I, uh, gosh, I could go on and on. You know, whether it's a tenant bleeding you because the eviction moratorium, or you know, uh, the power going out at one of their rentals, or you know, one of my buddies just had his sewer line burst. These things happen all the time, and I, the best piece of advice I could give is don't react emotionally, calmly think through it. What's the best course of action? Just handle it immediately. I mean, that's really all there is to it. Um, I know is that it that better is for you to do it yourself bit, or is it better to have a property management company to handle these things? I, uh, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish, what your pay grade is. There's a lot of, it depends on that, but I would say having a property management company is better in the long run, but if you're new, you're just starting, maybe you want to get as much cash flow as you can, uh, and you're self-managing, then that's okay too. It really depends on your situation. Um, so uh, that's an, it depends answer, unfortunately. So it, w- typically what are people going to pay for property management? What percentage of the rents are they going to have to give up for that service? Approximately 10%. And then most property managers, you have to look into their fees because a lot of them will take the first month's rent. They have all kinds of little fees here and there for you know new leases or just everything. So 10% is pretty standard. Now, if you have a large portfolio, you can get down into 6 to 8%. I have friends with large uh, unit counts, I've heard of, of getting those lower rates. But if you don't have a large portfolio, it's probably going to be around 10 And then I have not run into any managers who don't take any fees. But there are good ones who 10% plus just half of the first month's rent. I've seen that. Um, whereas 
some of the more pricey ones will take the whole first month's rent plus 10% plus just fees on top of fees. So I highly recommend if you're going to get a manager, find someone who uh, is referred by people you know and trust and then talk through their screening process, you know, think through uh, uh, how would you be screening your tenants? How would you be handling different situations and issues? And then talk through them with the property manager and make sure they handle it to the same level of care uh, that you would. Uh, And then the referral side too, make sure they come referred from people in the business. So you're very experienced in the Colorado real estate. Just talk about Colorado a little bit. Is it booming because people are moving there from California? What are the driving forces in the Colorado real estate market now? Yes, uh, people are moving. So the whole Sun Belt, Colorado, Arizona, Texas, uh, even Utah has grown quite a bit. Florida is growing. And if you look at a map, a lot of people are moving from the northeast, southwest, and then people from the coast coming in. So lots of people from California. But then at the same time, I want to say Illinois is the second biggest state people are moving from. Uh, we have very, very nice winters here next to the mountains, not in the mountains. You live in the mountains, different stories. So, you know, it's a mix, Jordan. We have people moving from more expensive markets. We have people retiring here. We have a lot of people like me that just came from the Midwest because the weather is nice and the mountains are fun. Uh, but the market is on fire pretty much everywhere uh, throughout the state. Granted, that's exacerbated by the low interest rates and some of the uh, forces from the pandemic. But I, I think another another for- market force there is just that so many more people can work from home uh, that they don't have to necessarily live where their work is. So that's another reason people are moving here because it's just a beautiful place. So, uh, yeah, anywhere along the front range or- some people are saying it's too hot. I mean, it, it does have down cycles. Colorado real estate's had down cycles when oil collapsed a while ago. And so it, mm-hmm. is this going to, is long-term sustainable? Or are you concerned it's getting too hot? Oh, gosh, that's a difficult conversation. I don't claim to know the future, which is why I emphasize keeping a handle on your personal finances. But, you know, here in the Colorado Springs, let me speak on that because that's the market I know best. And that's where I have my buy and holds. We have Fort Carson, Schriever, and a couple other military and Air Force bases. We have education, healthcare. The the main industries here that create most of the jobs, I mean, as far as I can tell, aren't going anywhere, and we're still severely short on units. So, you know, as far as I can tell, this is a safe place to be putting your money relative to many other places. Uh, but, of course, you don't know what you don't know. Uh, but it seems to be fairly stable because a lot of healthcare, education, and military jobs are here. Very good. Well, we've learned a lot. My guest this hour has been Dan Haberkost. You can find out more about his real estate strategies and what he's doing in Colorado real estate and apply it to your own life as well at his website, danhaberkost, spelled H-A-B-E-R-K-O-S-T dot com. Thanks so much, Dan. We've learned a lot about investing in real estate. Thank you, Jordan. I appreciate it. Thanks very much, and we'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.